Hey, welcome back to another edition of Grove Unleashed. I am State Representative Seth Grove, 196th District. Welcome, and as always, we're joined by V. Anders and V. Chuck. Say hi, Anders. Hey, what's going on, guys? All right, we're back in the house. It's been a while. Amen. It has been. It's been incredible. Like, it's, it's just well. been busy, right? After post-election, got holidays. My apologies to all of our faithful listeners of I don't know how many people. Yeah, I've been getting, you know, hit up left and right. You know, where's our next episode of Grove Unleashed? You know, the people want more. So right. we'll give them what they want. Got to give the people what they want. Exactly. That's our job here. We're here to deliver. To serve the people. Yeah. So um, it's kind of weird. We're we're now pumpkins. Um, So as of November 30th, midnight, uh, every member of the General Assembly turns into a pumpkin. We're now members elected. Uh, General Assembly is not in. And even though we have two sworn in, um, but we'll get to that later. Uh, So it's kind of end of session. So I want to give you a little update uh, about where we're at. You know, it was my first chairmanship of a committee. Uh, the state government committee, which was very busy, tackled a lot of big top-level issues from election policy, congressional redistricting, procurement, pensions, uh, rights of no law, accountability, transparency, a lot of lot of stuff. Um, and we, when I look back, man, were we busy? Um, yeah, Andrews got the stats. A lot of stuff. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. what are the stats there, Andrews? Yeah. So there were 78 total meetings uh, that you guys held. Which, uh, if you don't know too much about meetings for committees that's a lot your members hate you says <laughs> no they, they love I, i'll tell you what they, they i think they loved it they enjoyed the work and the work product so it was uh it was good yeah you guys got a lot done i mean there was a total of 123 bills that you guys passed through the committee 18 of which were signed into law um three of those were vetoed by the um big bad wolf um, right hey listen Two, two out of those three were mine. So election yeah. reform and congressional redistricting. What can we say? Uh, Wolf hates you. <laughs> he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't like me. It's all good. Um, you know, I work. Yeah, you just got to be a grown up and work with people you don't like. That's yeah. what I did or try to do. Anyway, I want to go back to total meetings because this is important. Like, so there were 78 meetings. 28 were voting meetings. 46 were public hearings. And then there were some informational meetings in there as well. Uh, but it's critically important. 46 public hearings which accounted for the numerous election oversight, congressional redistricting, COVID-19 oversight hearings. We did a lot of oversight, uh, which is kind of boring work, um, but it's critically important because it's it's our constitutional duty to keep an eye on the executive branch, what they're doing. So I, I took that very seriously as chairman and, and did the most number of oversight hearings in the General Assembly. Yeah, and that's impressive considering, you know, you not only did that, but you had 11% of all House bills and resolutions sent to your committee. And you sent out a third of those, a third of those went through the committee, like passed out of committee. Um, Right, so 31.5% of all House and Senate bills and resolutions assigned to the committee were voted out. And listen, that wasn't like bridge namers. Those were salient policies, right? Each one uh, was, was government accountability government transparency, pension reform, uh, election code bills. Uh, they were all important pieces of legislation uh, that the general public was looking to do. So all, all in all, it was, it was, I look back, it was busy, but it was a lot of important work, getting a lot of stuff uh, on the record and trying to actually solve problems um, that citizens are dealing with. And you mentioned a, a lot of election code bills. That was really the focus of a lot of the work you did in that committee there for a while, uh, obviously by necessity 
And that leads us to look at the recent election, both procedurally and the issues that it unveiled that we're going to have to tackle moving forward. Yeah, it was a weird it was a weird election, right? So I look back, Dr. Oz won three voting precincts in the city of Philadelphia. If you would have told wow. anybody that like any a Democrat, Republican, wh- whoever who analyzes elections, you know, the, the political consultants, right? If you tell anybody that you're like, if a Republican won three precincts in Philly, they swept the entire state and it was a complete landslide for the Republicans. That didn't happen, but it was an interesting point, right? Very, very interesting to see a Republican pick up three voting uh, voting districts in, in. But what happened, particularly with Dr. Oz, Fetterman ended up winning a larger majority than what Biden won by in every single county except three in the Commonwealth. And it was by 1.7 to like 4% differences county by county, which means Republicans didn't turn out, Republicans didn't vote for Republican candidates. And I know we got some some data for Anders to go over for this. It was a very odd election cycle. And I think a lot of it had to do with candidate selection um, and messaging. Um, Absolutely. While I think Oz messaged crime very well in Philly, which is something we need to continue to highlight, the rest of the Commonwealth just wasn't buying. You know, Absolutely. It just wasn't there. Anders, what do you got on, on data for that? You know, only 11 percent of voters said that crime was their biggest issue. Um, whereas, you know, they if you go through what was the biggest issue for voters this election? Abortion mm-hmm. at the very top by a lot. Thirty six percent of voters stated abortion mattered most to them and next up on the list was inflation that's something that both candidates hit both john fetterman and dr oz now i don't understand what abortion has to do with this race because that's a state issue yeah exactly um and you know dr oz even said that too where he said you know i don't want any kind of federal oversight over abortion and, you know, next up on the list was inflation at 29%. So, you know, there was a seven-point difference in, you know, what the biggest issue was. And crime really big, a big issue in Philadelphia, yeah. not as big an issue in the rest of the state. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was, it was an interesting to see how, how much um, Dobbs think about it. Let, let's, let's look at some of the big things Democrats have done, right? Obamacare. They did Obamacare knowing they'd probably get kicked out of power, right? So Democrats did Obamacare. They got kicked out of power. Now they're back in power, and Obamacare is still there. I view Dobbs as a similar. Like, Republicans got a, got a plank win, right? Republican Party for years has said we want to we want to stem abortions of, of unborn children, correct? It happened now to an extent, right? It gave it, it, it Roe v. Wade is gone. It gave power back to the states, basically saying there's no constitutional right to an abortion in the U.S. Constitution. So while we got a legacy win in, in Dobbs as far as the Republican Party plank, um, it wasn't as bad as, you know, the the um, post-Obamacare uh, elections where Democrats just got decimated uh, in Congress in, in the U.S. Senate. So it, it very interesting. And, and, you know, the impact on the state legislature, I mean, we had a very unpopular gubernatorial candidate that really pulled down for the first time I've, I've ever been in office or have seen a, a statewide candidate pull the kind of lower candidates down ballot uh, down. Um, Doug Mastriano ran an awful campaign. I mean, he ran a campaign he wanted to run, but never engaged independents, never engaged Democrats, never never engaged kind of what I maybe squishy Southeastern type Republicans. Um, and it really, really showed on his, his stage. And 
um, and it really pulled the down ballot. We have to go through re- reapportionment of seats every 10 years. The redistricting commission we had, uh, three Democrats, two Republicans, they broke apart minorities to create more Democrat-leaning districts. And then they put seven Republicans uh, against each other in primaries. So automatically, Republicans went from 113 minus seven off the bat, right, uh, on top of kind of bad performance, top of the ticket, impact the bottom. So, you know, we ended up at a 101-101 tie. In the, in the House of Representatives in Pennsylvania with one open seat because of Representative Tony DeLuca unfortunately passed away. So it was really interesting and has impacted majority control of the House, right? So it's it's kind of, quote, up in the air to an extent because the Democrats are claiming they're in the majority because they won 102 seats. Now three are vacant. Two, two people resigned, Summer Lee and Austin Davis resigned to go fill other seats. And then Tony DeLuca's is vacant because of fatality. So right now it's 101 to 99. But the Democrats think that's unfair because we won those seats, so they should be counted uh, even though there's no one there to vote. So I guess Democrats believe in dead people voting and dead people being um, and, and ghost individuals who aren't members anymore being able to be counted towards a majority. It's crazy, but that's where we're at. And now it's going to be. All lawsuits, you know, Joanna Clinton was sworn in claiming she was a majority leader and, quote, acting speaker. Uh, Brian Cutler, uh, our uh, Republican majority leader, was sworn in um, claiming he is a majority leader, which is rightfully so, because 101 is greater than 99, 100% of the time. Not according to uh, the fake speaker, Joanna McClinton, though. Yeah, and I, I, I just, pardon me, but I'm going to cut in and... Producer Chuck going to go on a rant here. Chuck unleashed. Okay, Chuck this, unleashed. this, this is where it. Chuck goes unleashed. And, and and Joanna McClinton and the Democrats really did <laughs> pull something off this week. And it's really an attempt to change and redefine how our government works and, and or the nature of mathematics, as Seth was saying here. Our former speaker and current Republican leader, Brian Cutler, called it a paperwork insurrection. But it, let's, let's look at what she's actually asserting in this. And she's saying that... 101 is actually less than 99, or at, at, at best, 101 is greater than 101, and that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And as, as Seth, as, as you pointed out, it has a lot to do with should dead people be allowed to vote, and how long should we care about what they thought, and how mm-hmm. they would have voted, and how long do we care about the people who actually resigned their seats and, and how they would have voted until you have the person sitting in the chair that's what counts and and right. we have to consider also that the, it's trying to enshrine in statute in in history this one weird thing and 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 it's how we govern ourselves and how we govern our commonwealth we're a democratically elected republic we the people are represented in the halls of government by people not by parties when we go to vote we vote for people we don't vote for parties their name is listed before the party and in fact in pennsylvania we don't have straight party ticket voting that doesn't exist it's gone we can't just go in and pull a republican or pull a democrat lever when we vote mcclinton and the democrats really are are by doing this trying to redefine the relationship we have to government and they're saying that dead people can vote. They're saying that we know what dead people would have voted for, and we should still count that intent, and that the offices, the legislative districts, can be held by a party and not by a person. 
And that is really dangerous because then why should we ever vote again if the seat is held by a party, if the 196th legislative district is a Republican district, then why ever vote? Just install a Republican there. You know, right. if that doesn't make any sense. It's just a, a redefinition and trying to install it in the history of our Commonwealth kind of as a legal thing to look back in, as precedent. That, that We just can't have this. To me, it's completely insane to hear the, these, these awful arguments. And it's about power and control. You know, for the past two years, all the Democrats, all oh, the Republicans just want power and control, power and control. See, they want to move these bills to change how redistricting is done, blah, blah, power and control. Push comes to shove. I mean, talk about power and control. They're doing everything they can to maintain power as a minority party at 99 votes. It's laughable at best. It's really sad. Um, and it just shows where their leadership is about. They don't actually care about the people in these districts. They don't care about the people of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. They care about maintaining power and controlling, or actually getting power and control um, to uh, wield their will upon the citizens of Pennsylvania. Um, and it's it's really sad. I mean, you, you gotta you gotta win the elections, and there there there's three open elections. Go win them. Come back at 102. Guess what? You have you have control because 102 is greater than 101. But you cannot say you're in the majority party with 99 members. And it's it's just it just I just think it just shows you where they're at and why people need to reject how they want to govern. They're not interested in working on behalf of the people. If they were. They'd say, you know, these voters have a decision to make, and we're going to wait until voters decide on these three open seats. Yeah, and this is, you know, typical Democrat practice where they are living in a fairy tale world where, you know, you look at this with Bidenomics too. You know, inflation doesn't exist. Well, the price of milk is telling me otherwise because when I have to pay $10 for a bowl of cereal, I'm getting a little irritated. But, you know, where where does this take us, um, you know, when it comes to choosing a speaker um, and setting up the special elections? You know, how does this work with, um, you know, Joanna McClinton basically being uh, the new Stacey Abrams of uh, of Pennsylvania? Right. The right. fake governor, I mean, fake speaker. You know, where, right. where does I mean, this lead us? Talk about collusion. The Department of State, the secretary, the acting secretary of state who's not sworn in, never passed a nomination, rejected a legal writ by Speaker Cutler when he submitted it November 30th, the last day of session uh, for the DeLuca seat. She accepted Joanna McClinton's after two members resigned. So they're at 99 members. She accepted Joanna McClinton's illegally um, because did, she's not majority leader. At 99 members, you're not. So she illegally accepted a writ and it is forcing elections upon the, the county of Allegheny without legal standing and it's really sad. It, it's basically collusion. There's Democrat collusion to take over the House. That is an insurrection. The Democrat Party is conspiring against Pennsylvania citizens to take control of the House of Representatives. And that, that's that is exactly what's going on. They need to call it out for it. It's shameful. Shameful. We do have the majority in the House as of right now, um, which Correct. means that you are currently the majority appropriations chairman. That is correct. Um, kind of cool new chairmanship for this year. It is a leadership position, one of several uh, in the House. Basically, the job role of the, the appropriations chairman is heading budget negotiations and fiscal oversight of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So it's it's a pretty important position. It's pretty cool. 
and uh, look forward to kind of working with my colleagues, the Senate, my counterpart, Scott Martin, uh, Senator Scott Martin, who uh, was elected the uh, appropriations chairman in the Senate. Um, we're going to have a new budget director to work with, with uh, the Shapiro administration. So it's kind of uh, some newbies coming in, but I look forward to uh, the task. So what is going to be your main focus and goal for this upcoming session then? Um, because, you, yeah, know, you know, with the state government, yeah. you headed up elections, uh, you know, redistricting. Uh, but what what is going to be your main focus uh, for the, this upcoming session here? Yeah, I think as, as appropriations, you know, uh, oversight, financial oversight, fiscal oversight of the Commonwealth, uh, keeping an eye on executive branches, all the commissions, uh, making sure they're good stewards of, of taxpayer dollars putting up a budget together that it fits in with the financial realities of where we're in and making sure that we don't create, you know, unintended consequences by our budgeting practices. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of work to be done. I think we've had the same budget process since, since before the first Star Wars, right? So you're talking 1978, the last major kind of budget reforms. So I think we should do a better job with performance-based budgeting. We've had a performance-based budgeting board in operation for the past five years. You know, the administration, House, Senate, Republicans, Democrats combined have been sit on it. And I think it's time we uh, ingrain performance-based budgeting into the budget process. So there's a lot of good stuff we need to do. I think a big thing will be program integrity, making sure we uh, have the right internal controls to protect taxpayer dollars at all levels. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, so here's my uh, bad transition into the next topic. Uh, did you guys hear that Tom Brady is now pursuing a career as an actor? Oh, God. <laughs> Is this a dad <laughs> no, joke? No, I did not. No, yeah, he's actually being casted in the new um, Home Alone 12. Giselle, please let me see the kids. <laughs> oh, God. Jeez. <laughs> now, okay, that is, that may not be, you know, some you may think that it's a dad joke, but I, I prefer to call it fake, fake news. news. Fake oh, news. Oh, God, here it comes. All right, so here is the first headline. A date for a Washington man meeting with a woman from an online dating app turned into a terrifying hostage hostage situation in which he was allegedly robbed at gunpoint, stripped naked, and threatened with his own nude photos. Uh, um, was that a Florida man? No. And Florida woman? Washington man. Washington. The state of Washington or Washington, D.C.? Uh, it doesn't say. Oh, okay. In the headline, uh, at least. Let me go with uh, real news. Yeah, I have to agree. That's too 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 much detail to be fake. It's got to be real. Well, while this may sound like my idea of an amazing first date or a really great episode of How I Met Your Mother, this is real news. Uh, that's that's from NBC. Wow. All right. Um, Kanye West made honorary member of the squad after anti-Semitic comments. <laughs> <laughs> fake news, but you know, um, unfortunately. Uh, kind of true uh the squad is very anti-semitic they uh they hate israel so yeah and, and, that, and kanye's losing it yeah yeah right. um, but hey he made graduation so <laughs> yeah. uh yeah that, that, that's fake news that, that that's from the b um and here's another interesting development in the uh kim kanye saga um kim taunts west by launching missile over japan <laughs> <laughs> fake, fake news. That's that actually fake news. that's actually real. Um, that's a Kim Jong Un. Yeah, whatever. Right. Oh, you oh got God. me on the Kims. <laughs> got me on the Kims. Nice. All right, so we'll, we'll keep the war uh, thing here going. War in Ukraine comes to an end as Ukrainian government puts up gun-free zone signs. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> right? That's how it works. It's exactly, you can't carry guns. No more guns. So war is forever ended. That sounds like Babylon B to me. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that's fake news. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Uh, just a quick side note story here. When I was in college, there was a report of a guy walking around with a gun. And in our one group chat, uh, one of my friends goes, how is that possible? This is a gun-free zone. <laughs> wow. Nobody found, nobody else but me found it funny. <laughs> right. That's that's the way it works. Like, yeah. um, only law-abiding citizens follow laws. Yeah, that's why 97.5% of all mass shootings happen in gun-free zones. Right. All right. Arizona announces they have finished counting the votes, and Calvin Coolidge has won their three electoral college votes. <laughs> Uh, it seems like it took her out about the same amount of time. <laughs> right. Could be. I mean, listen, if there's one state that has screwed up more than Pennsylvania, this election cycle is definitely Arizona. So, well, I, I'm Bye. glad I'm glad we have a good company with us, at least. Right. Yeah. Well, that that concludes fake news. That was fake news. If it wasn't obvious enough. So, yeah, that has been fake news and another amazing episode of Grove Unleashed. Uh, ha- Merry Christmas, to everybody. Uh, yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy Thanksgiving because uh, uh, we missed that too. Yeah, we did, we did. So yeah, and we'll be back in the new a, year. Yeah, new year with uh, new issues and uh, new new committee and new new majority. But the same Democrat fairy tale lands. That's right. Grove Unleashed. 